So for most directors, the dream of directing a big movie is also the dream of having big stars in that movie. Um, because having big stars in the movie will make the movie look like the real deal. And there's also a chance that you're going to be working with people who are totally at the top of their game and who have like real strong battle-tested personalities that will basically make everything that you wrote just sound a lot better. But what's it like to work with stars? And more precisely, how are stars different from every other actor that you've worked with? For example, how do you direct them differently? Do you have to direct them more? Do you have to direct them less? Um, like, how do you handle disagreements? And especially, how do you handle the power imbalance that comes between being a new director working with a very experienced actor who, who basically and I think in a lot of ways probably knows better than you how to do this thing and who outranks you. So in this episode, we're going to try to pin down how exactly to work with stars and what you have to do differently. And the answer will probably surprise you. So let's do the show. So on the show today is a true legend, John Badham. He shot to fame as a director with Saturday Night Fever starring John Travolta, a movie so impactful it defined a decade and has been preserved for future generations in the Library of Congress, something the rest of us will probably never get to brag about. He then moved on to direct movies like War Games, Short Circuit, Stakeout, and Burn on a Wire, before moving to television directing shows like Heroes, Crossing Jordan, 12 Monkeys, and Supernatural. He's also the author of one of the most popular filmmaking books, I'll Be In My Trailer, on the relationship between actors and directors. And if that wasn't enough, he runs the directing program at the USC School of Cinematic Arts. Prep Show is brought to you by Hollywood Camera Work. Check out Directing Actors, a huge course that teaches you how to create strong and deep performances. Watch a whole hour at HollywoodCameraWork.com. Prep Show airs on YouTube and Indie Film Hustle TV and as a podcast. And remember to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Hi, John. How are you? Hello, Pierre. How are you doing today? <laughs> so cool that that you had the that you had time to do this here. What are you What are you up to right now besides uh, Zoom meetings? Oh, well, I've just finished a whole semester at Chapman University where I'm a professor of directing. And uh, we've literally just turned in our grades. And now we also have a brand new dean who wants to shake up the entire curriculum. Okay. So that's, that's kind of startling and, and good. It's good for us. Makes us look at, uh, you know, what we're doing and, uh, you know, see what we can do better. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, I have a I have an excellent impression of your of your program, but um, but that's that's cool. Um, so we talked about uh, we talked about this thing about uh, directing stars, which is actually something you have a you have a book. Uh, I'll be in my trailer, which I think uh, is one of the best filmmaking books that are written that that has that has ever been written. And, oh, and thank I'm, you very much. 
I mean that in a specific way because you are super honest in that book because there are there are lots of books either by people who don't know really what they're talking about or people who are trying to sugarcoat their failures and nobody really learns anything from that and and basically for those who haven't read it but should it's this was when uh, when John was a young director and doing Saturday Night Fever and not really f- understanding the the acting end of the equation well enough and 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 basically had some blow ups on set i hope uh, tell me if i'm if i'm not representing this correctly but i think that learning seeing other people fail like that um you f- you feel less crazy oh good i'm glad it was worth the pain on my side <laughs> the pain the pain that I had to endure of uh, the self-flagellation after making these silly mistakes. I'm curious about the whole concept of working with stars because stars are are a different. At least that's my impression that stars are a different kind of animal, a different kind of actor than, for example, somebody who's a new actor coming out of film school or somebody who has been has had some guest roles on a TV show. You have you have people who are higher up in the food chain who are either like regulars on a TV show or who are actually like bona fide movie stars. Like you, you work with John Travolta. Actually, you've worked with a ton, and that's why you're uniquely qualified to have some opinions about this here. But how do you how do you handle that? How are they different? Because, for example, mega stars might be very sure that they are doing, uh, you know, that their personality is bankable, and that means that you can start directing them, and then they just think that's that's annoying um, because they kind of know for a fact that they are right because the box office says so and but it's also there's there's a power there's a power difference where if you are you know you're an up and coming director and suddenly you have this this mega star that that you managed to get into your movie how do you talk to them how how are they different to work with than basically every other actor that you work with i mean one of one of the biggest mistakes that we especially in film make is not bonding with our actors in the first place. Uh, And it's not just enough to uh, send a script to Meryl Streep and, and have her say, yes, I'd like to do it and make a deal. And then the next thing you see her uh, on stage, Uh, that's the, the mistake that is so commonly made. I mean, the the wise thing that you need to do is you need to start having discussions way before shooting with your actor and and about about the character and how you see it so that if it takes an hour, if it takes two hours, if it takes a whole weekend or whatever, you need to give it the time to be able to reach an agreement with 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 an actor who is let's face it your creative partner you're not the boss you are a partner in an enterprise and and the two of you need to share it together and if you if you can't agree on an approach to the role before you start shooting maybe you're in the wrong place as the director or the actor is in the wrong wrong place 
<clears throat> can I can I ask? So, does that conversation sound different with somebody who's a megastar versus somebody who's a you know reasonably experienced actor who but you know lower on the food chain? Is there is there any part of that conversation that sounds different? Even even with actors lower on the food chain, you need to have have a little conversation. Maybe that's a much quicker conversation. It could be a ten minute conversation on the phone with with somebody who's coming in for a smaller part. But you really do uh, need to have good conversations beforehand with with whoever and anybody in my in my cast. Uh, I, I've got to spend some time, donate, you know, devote a little bit of time to them. That that's just that's just number one because otherwise you're going to show up on the on the set and realize that there are uh, conflicting opinions about things. And now, are you going to try to direct the actor around to your way of thinking, which is Maybe it's wise, maybe it's not wise, but definitely it's it's in a very tense kind of environment. I mean, God forbid you should start having these conversations on the first day of shooting when everybody's nervous as they can be anyway about stuff, and you're going to have a conversation with a whole crew there. So uh, you, you really need to do that, and and and. Uh, and create time and make time, otherwise you're going to have a disaster. Yeah, and it's also incredibly expensive. Like there's moving the camera and figuring out the character. Those are the two most expensive things you can do on a set, kind of. I mean, there's no there's no question that many directors in film, especially in television, are uncomfortable around actors. They're a little bit intimidated by them. They under the directors understand how a camera works. They understand how the microphone, how uh, dollies work and things like that. Actors have this annoying habit of being human beings with opinions. Yeah. And and that's intimidating to a, to a lot of people. Uh, so that a lot of time that I have to spend with my students is in getting used to working with, working with actors out how do we find ways to give notes? How do we approach the scene? What kind of directions work best versus what kind of directions just bore the crap out of actors? But so, can, can, would you mind if we, if we just try to pry apart that conversation a little bit more that, that, that you have with the actors? Because it sounds like there are there are kind of two conversations, and one of them is – is just the the idea of which direction we're generally going in with the character. He's this and this and that kind of person, and this is what he's trying to get out of it. And that's kind of the top level discussion about the character. And then there's a more detail that gets more kind of into into directing and coming up with with backstory and stuff like that. And and the question is, this is really one of the questions, one of the experiences that I've had working with stars is that they were so experienced that they needed they needed and wanted incredibly little direction, but that direction just had to be dynamite. Like I, I work with one guy whose name I can't mention because I don't think he was allowed to do this. Um, but I just gave him 
just one thing. It was my best nugget of direction. And he just said, okay. And then you could just see it, it un unzipped in his mind. And then the first take, take was just... And, and I felt that when people are very experienced, they need your direction to be like really clear, but not a lot of it. But it needs to be like, what are like the best five things you have to say about this character? Versus I've, actors who are, who are newer, I felt that they kind of almost want unlimited input, like unlimited amounts of things to play with and details about the character. Do you feel that this is just a difference between actors or do you feel that it's true that higher up the food chain, actors are more and more capable of di basically directing themselves and and also need to be a little more private with their process and they just need like your very best input and then space? Or do you feel it's a, just a difference between <clears throat> actors and it has nothing to do with food chain? Well, actually, actually, I believe very strongly that directors talk too much <laughs> and directors give way too much uh, input and feedback to, to the actors. Uh, the, the time for talking about a character's backstory, you know, the basis of a character and so on, is before you start shooting, uh, not, not once, you're, once you're shooting, so that so that when you start shooting, uh, if you can limit your directions to like 10 seconds or less, mm -hmm. you're going to be doing a lot better because that means that you're going to focus your direction on actions that the actor can do right now in this scene. What are you trying to do in this scene? Well, uh, let's say the, the good answer is I'm trying to seduce this other person into uh, going on a trip with me. Uh, okay. All right. So that's what we're trying to do. We don't need to have a whole story about how you wet the bed when you were a little boy and you're, this is your third marriage and you're not wanting to screw this up or all kinds of, yeah. all kinds of other material that, that the actor can't play right now. They can't do it. They you know, can't they they can can, even play them at, at any point. It just doesn't convert to any action. It doesn't convert to it any do, next it, step. It doesn't convert. But if you say, okay, on this next take, I want you, don't try to seduce them. Try to gently persuade them. You know, oh, okay, all right, that's a note. That's an adjustment. Yeah. Because when they try to seduce, maybe they came on too strong. And so so it's uh, it's really tailoring uh tailoring the the takes to fit to fit what the actor uh can do uh and, and every actor doing if you have five different actors doing the same role they're going to come at it five different ways and your directions to all of them would happen in five different ways this would happen for example let's say with a, a broadway play that's going out on the road and you're directing the third company of uh, of Equus going out on the road. You're going to have directed three sets of actors. Uh, this doesn't happen so much in 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 film, uh, where you've got one cast you do at one time, and that's it. Or in television, where you've got a running series, and 
and this one man has been playing the same character for five years. So uh, there's not a lot you can tell him about his character. There is a lot you can tell him about how he's approaching a scene and, and, and giving him, as you say, very limited feedback is all he needs because he understands that character way better than you'll ever understand it. So and th- this was one of the topics actually to get to, but, uh, but uh, yeah, a little down the line that um, if you have the opportunity to, to direct TV, where are the boundaries? Because obviously this person, this person has been playing this character for, for so long that it's it's kind of hopeless to contribute something major. But I have heard some actors talk about how a director came in and just, you know, he really understood the character. He added just a little layer, and and they thought that that was super cool. Is I mean, is there a danger of being kind of presumptuous and overstepping your bounds? Like, obviously, every scene has to be figured out from scratch, but if you start to really take control of the character as a whole, do they say, okay, okay, pal, that's that's enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're messing with the brand. Yeah. You're messing with... Uh, my, my favorite example is, uh, let's say you go to McDonald's and you want a double cheeseburger. Uh, now, the, the chef in the back says, well, this is really boring, this double cheeseburger. I think I'm going to add some extra pickles in here and and none of this ketchup stuff. I think I'll add a little bit of German mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, there would be a riot in in the in the McDonald's um, and and the the kind of change you can make safely would be maybe to move that pickle from the left side of the bun to the right side of the bun. You you have to approach it incrementally and. Uh, I just worked on a series, for example, where they brought in a new director uh, to manage all the other directors at the very top of the season. And his job was to direct two or three episodes and also to consult with the other directors coming in. Well, he decided coming into this show in its second season that he needed to shake up all these characters so now he's talking to the actors who played during the entire first season one kind of character, and now he's trying to shake it up. Well, there was a major rebellion on the set, and yeah. and that that director left, uh, was fired actually. Um, but that's I guess that's it, kind of the same for everything with a series that we have to make sure everybody's actually working on the same show, like whether it's cinematography or or set design i guess um, everybody you know the, the, that show was was renewed for a certain reason and and if they thought they needed changes they would be talking about it which doesn't mean that you as a director should go in and just uh not try to bring something to the party they want you to bring something to the party but you know that it's going to be in smaller increments you're not going to be able to change that character of the lead woman or the lead man in a major way. So do you feel do you feel that 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 the primary job then is to is to get the the, the machinery of the scene to work to get the scene to be punchy and interesting and and full of conflict that that's your domain as as a guest director 
is really making the scenes work. I mean, your your ability to bring new things needs to be in just smaller bites. Okay. You, You don't come in and you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You're not trying to totally, unless that's what they want. Uh, unless that's, you know, suddenly the actor says, what I've been playing isn't working. Can you help me? Or, or the actor has some kind of a really annoying uh, physical tick that, that, you know, you think it would be better uh, to, not have, to not have that. I remember a situation with, with an actress who was the lead in the show who continually was pulling her hair <laughs> back over her, her face. Now, it sounds like a silly thing. But in every every single time you'd cut to her, she's pulling her hair back. I mean, he, here's something where you can be really helpful. What does You're the direction changing. sound like for you? If, 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 like, what did your direction sound like to make her stop doing that? Because that sounds like the scariest direction to give. Like, basically, it's a it's a don't do this, and it's kind of in parentheses because it's annoying. Um, like, did you send her off to do something else? Like, did you frame it in the positive? of can you stay more on him or did you tell her to just not touch her hair? Uh, well, probably I, I took the, the quickest route, which was not necessarily the best route, uh, which is I noticed that uh, you, you know that a lot of times you pull your hair back uh, and, and every time we cut to you, you're pulling your hair back. It's starting to look uh a little bit mannered and a little bit funny so okay. now now i've i've spoken to her about something very dear to her which is how she looks and and actors if aware of nothing else are aware of how they look so so i think you can be fairly direct in saying that but notice i'd never said don't okay don't pull your hair back Uh, I, I just said, you should be aware of, of how this looks. That's going to set off, a, you know, red flags in front of her eyes. She's going to, you know, become very self-conscious. But you watch that, that action, that, that mannerism of hers is going to disappear. Yeah. I mean, I had to do it with, I had to do it with Laurence Olivier, uh, who was at the time was 72, 73 years old. And as as people get older, uh, a lot of their muscles relax, and 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 uh, Lord Olivier often would be in a scene listening to another actor with his mouth hanging half open, <laughs> and uh, and I and I had to I had to go and say, sir, uh, y- your mouth is open a lot, your character will look a lot stronger uh, if if it's closed. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I so I you know related it to to the character. You know, I I could have addressed it with the woman on her hair as saying, you know, your character looks nervous and weak when you're pulling your hair back. 
Yeah, and because I mean, the, it. I mean, that's uh, if I've learned one thing is that actors really d don't care about any uh, any discussion about the character. Like we can have any opinion; it makes the character this way or that way, and they don't take it personally. It's just that if it's you who who are doing this, then they it's then they just they 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 crawl they crawl into a hole and hide, and. Um, and I mean, I, what do you think that, that of this technique? There was a there was a director who was who wanted to protect the actors so much that she would basically just blame it on something technical. Oh, it's uh, the framing doesn't catch it, or there there's a con there's going to be a continuity problem. So it's not that there's really anything wrong with touching your hair. It's just that for vague technical reasons, it's better to not to. And then people can adjust. And okay, sure, whatever. Well, then you're 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 just kind of hoping that the problem will vanish. Yeah. If you if you, I mean, using that technique of saying we had a a focus problem, is can be useful if you'd like to just go again, but you don't want to say it'll be a lot smoother, or uh, we can clean up some some uh, little mistakes in the dialogue. You, you can, uh, you know, not focus it on the actors, but say, oh, we had a little light problem over here. Do you mind? Can we go again? Yeah. Sometimes actors, sometimes actors say, well, I did it. I did it. I was, I was perfectly good uh, in that. And you, you know that they can probably do it a little bit better. But rather than say you can do it better, you can use that trick of saying, well, we had a focus problem. Yeah. Uh, here and and that'll get you through but you can't do that all the time it's a, it you know it'll be no. perceived for what it is but it is true that every take doesn't actually need direction like sometimes we already have an idea we just need to try it a couple of times and, and get our sea legs and i mean i actually i really like that of of just needing to go again because whatever. Let's just let's just run it again and let's not stop and evaluate yet. Let's just run it a few times. Yeah, I mean because the the truth is the actors are not machines. You know they they need some break in time, and good creative actors will bring something different to every take, so that sometimes you just need to do it again because you're going to get something different. You know, with with Jack Nicholson or Dustin Hoffman, you know, De Niro, they're they're approaching these parts organically, and every take is going to have something a little different. So mm -hmm. often, often it's it's good with uh, with an actor when you find out that they they are that way to let them do. You know, if you have time for for more takes, not just to leap on the first one that they get the dialogue straight. But, you know, okay, good. That was good. Let's just try it again. Do whatever you like. You know, we've got, sometimes I'll tell an actor, you know what? I think that's perfectly good. I think that take is really nice. But why don't we do one for you? You know, try something different. Doesn't matter if you completely screw it up, will not hurt in the least. Just try, you know, anything you'd like to try. And, um, what you're what you're constantly trying to do is free up the actor, make them less nervous, make them feel freer so that their impulses are allowed to come through and their creativity is allowed to come through. They're not terrified about uh, 
Where's my mark? Where do I step on my mark? Oh, I'm not supposed to look this way. Oh, I can't brush my hair back. All of these things that make you think about anything but what the scene is about. Yeah, or just I'm not confident we're going in a useful direction and I can feel the take isn't good, but I don't know what right. to do. But but you need to, at that point when if you sense that you don't need to that they don't know what to do, it's time to come in with with different verbs, you know, instead of instead of seduce it's persuade or maybe it's sell uh or maybe it's coax. Uh, you're you're trying you know different approaches just to shake it up a little bit that it's it's going i've i've actually gone in and said you know what we're playing this like it's a tragedy what if it's a comedy Mm -hmm. and they go what i say yeah it doesn't matter let's play it if it's a comedy if it's a complete disaster we'll throw it away but let's uh, just for fun just to shake it up let's let's try that let's play this for fun now you you may indeed you probably will throw the whole thing away but in the process of doing it you're going to have shaken up their thinking and they'll go back to that they'll go back to that you know kind of tragic way they were playing it but it will have different facets and different sparkles to it yeah and they're not boxed just in by it anymore right i mean they, yeah, the fence was say, getting oh, too narrow God. and now it's this wide you know it's like hearing a song that you've heard Amazing Grace always sung very slowly and very tragically. And then you say, no, come on, let's sing it like it's an up song, like it's really happy. Amazing Grace, how great the sound. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. go, well, whole that's, new, that's whole stupid. New flavor. But, but, you know, it takes, you, you start to get a new insight on, uh, on what, what's possible. You're, yeah. you're, you're trying to avoid getting stuck in the mud. I want to loop back to, you mentioned Jack Nicholson, and I thought that's a great example of the thing that I'm trying to tease out here, because Jack Nicholson is a is a strong brand, and I mean that his personality is the thing. Um, I mean, you can see him across many, many movies. He's Jack Nicholson, or Joe Pesci is a Joe Pesci in anything that he does. That's the brand. That's what you paid millions of dollars to have in your movie. And so that's that could be one reason why an actor doesn't want a ton of direction because you know, you're I mean, it's we we have our we have our burger. It's a, this is our brand. You you're just trying to put different condiments on it and uh, I know I'm right because I'm selling like hotcakes. And so that's one reason. The other is that it's my impression that a Jack Nicholson needs to be pretty private about his process, meaning that he knows how to go where he needs to go, but you probably can't help a whole lot. And so I'm just trying to imagine a rehearsal with Jack Nicholson where, you know, now I'm directing Jack Nicholson and I have all these thoughts about the character and I can imagine sitting and sitting and explaining all my ideas about the character and him just getting increasingly annoyed. And to him, this is all just noise because I know what I'm going to do. I'm 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 freaking Jack Nicholson. This is my brand. And for the stuff that where I need to get into my zone as an actor, I'm the only one who knows how to get there. And. That here's a person who really doesn't want to be directed a lot and probably justifiably so. 
what does that conversation sound like? Like, I mean, there's here. There's almost the danger of a of a, the actor basically kind of just freewheeling their their character, like doing a character that might not even fit into the rest of the movie. And so he, he I mean, we do need to be on the same page, but he doesn't really want to hear a lot from me about how I understand the character or even discuss it. Like if I ask him, how do you understand the character? Maybe he doesn't even want to talk about that. How do you how do you handle that? Especially like if you did it, you are an accomplished director. That would be different. He would probably listen more to you than he would listen to me. But how would I handle that situation with him? Do you think? I th- I think that that uh, that that's that discussion that I was talking about. You know, having before beforehand sure, and I'm, having here. This is beforehand. Wow. I mean, I, I'm I'm completely yeah. on board on the set. It needs to be like just nuggets and not, and not much else. But right. So this and is so, before. And so beforehand, you know, you're going back and forth with discussion of, of of the character. It's not about arguments. It's about you know giving him room to explain. Listen, I, I'm listening to him, and he said, "Well, I see the character in a such an, you know in a more aggressive way," and. And I'm trying to get a maybe I had a more peaceful kind of character in mind, but but I want to hear him out and I want to say, well, well, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about, uh, you know, what how you're how you're seeing this character. Um, So you're really more going for the specificity. You're just trying to make sure we're making a decision rather than this being your opinion. I'm 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 trying to listen listen to him and and give what I really need to do is give him the chance to get it out of his system to explain what he's thinking so that I can kind of find some way to latch on to uh you know what what it is that's really causing us a problem you know why why am I why am I seeing this in a different way I, I've, I'm directing the movie. I see it one way, but here's my star that I'm now committed to paying a ton of money to who sees it in a different way. I need to kind of dig down, unpack all of this, have him unpack it so I can see how could two people see the same material in such a totally different way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the famous, famous story about Marlon Brando on the original Superman that Richard Donner directed, uh, when when Richard Donner went up to Marlon Brando's house to have this initial discussion with him about, about playing Superman's father Jor-el, mm-hmm. uh, Brando came out and he said, "You know, um, we're talking about somebody being uh, from another planet." And since we don't know what anybody looks like from another planet, what shape they might take, what they sound like, he said, I mean, they could be, for God's sake, a giant tomato or a pizza. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, how would we know? Uh, you know, I think it would be interesting if Jarrell were like this giant tomato. And, you know, you just saw him from the, from the distance. Well, Donner said... <laughs> That so his, this is this is this is a real example. This actually happened. Oh yes, it oh did. that's fantastic. And and 
Now, you know, it's 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 funny by itself, but when you know that Brando liked to do this, liked to test directors, he liked to get an idea of what he was working with, and he would mess with them. So we don't know if he was serious about this or if he was just messing with Donner. Uh, but Donner said his heart nearly stopped. You know, <laughs> how in the world am I going to get through this? And and we've just committed X million dollars to this guy who wants to play a giant tomato. Um, so he just lets him go on and talk about it. And the discussion eventually wanders off into other places about how uh, how the uh, stories have, have some legends and some stories you know, have facets about him you cannot change. And Brando said, for example, if I'm telling my my kids a story about Sleeping Beauty and and I say that Sleeping Beauty pricked her uh, her right toe with a with a poison rose, they'll go, no, dad, she pricked her index finger with the with with the you, you, you can't mess with that. Dick Donner heard what he wanted to hear at that point. He said, "Yes, and that's why Jarrell cannot be a giant tomato." Oh, good. Because so, so. we know exactly what <laughs> you know. We've had th- thirty-five, fifty years of Superman. You know, we know exactly what Jarrell looks like because yeah. he's been drawn a thousand times. Uh, but do you then? Do you feel that? That this is a conversation that that we're definitely going to have, meaning that regardless of what stature that actor has, we have to discuss the character in some form. That it can be your oh, input, course. it can be my input, but we're definitely having a conversation about this. Basically, what what should be then the response if you have an actor who simply does not want to discuss the character at all? Uh, I th- I think. Uh I I think you ha- you have to say well I'm just I'm just curious how how you see it so I can be helpful to you I want to be helpful to you know let you do the best you can and uh, so so I under- understand how how you see it well I don't want to talk about it well I don't want to do it yeah. I guess that's the situation you're. Well, uh, I think the example was from uh, – it's an interview I saw with somebody who directed Gene Hackman. And and Gene Hackman had just told him at the beginning of the movie, he's like, okay, I only want to hear four things from you, higher, lower, faster, slower, and that's it. And and the director protested that, and, and he basically – he earned his respect by understanding the shit out of this character. And then uh, Gene Hackman opened up to him, and then they had an a, like an ongoing good relationship, like discussing the character openly. But my assumption was – I mean, what I heard there was two things. One was that uh, that Gene Hackman has been burned by directors who just – you know, vomit out random contradictory direction and just making Gene Hackman's life much harder. And then, um, and then part two is that he has, he has a process that he knows well and the box office proves that he's not wrong. And so he can justifiably say, okay, I got this, you know, let's not talk very much about the character, but so this, this was where I was coming from that, that I feel like there probably, there are probably justifiable and good reasons that an actor doesn't want you in their engine room figuring out how to put together this character. 
The same thing would be like a Kramer. If you're directing a Kramer, how can you help? Like he has himself and his acting coach and they've worked out all the details about this character and your direction needs to be pretty top level. Like are we going this direction or or this direction? It's not so much in the details about how he comes through a door. So the the I guess the, the, the point that I was getting at is that it seems to me that there is a sliding scale that some actors want and need a lot of direction and some want and need little direction, but we always have to have a conversation about who the character is. If not for anything else, just the fact that this character isn't alone in the movie and there's kind of a dramatic engine that has to work and it doesn't work if everybody just goes off and does their own thing. But so what, what's my question to you? My, my, my question uh, to you is, is still how justifiable is it for an actor to not want to discuss the character with you? Well, it, it points to a deeper problem, which you, which you put your finger on with Hackman, which is having had bad experiences with, with directors who, you know, fill his ears up with stuff that he doesn't want to hear, which means that you now have a job of gaining his trust and so that as the director you cite uh found a way to gain gain his trust gently one one small bit at a time you know gene hackman is is very well known for being a tough director a tough actors uh actor to direct for directors and and just like brando was very tough that way and there there are most most actors want and are happy to have direction they don't necessarily need massive amounts but they their stars are looking to you for how was that performance how was that take uh you know what what's going on here they they don't want to be uh ignored and 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 have you just sit back and go oh that was great let's go ahead um but they, don't you then also think that, that a star really demands and expects that you're bringing your A-game director-wise, that if you're working with a new actor, you kind of get to fumble around and try to find some good direction and nobody calls you on it, but a very experienced actor will say will say right away that that direction you're giving me is way too noisy. Like, I need some something much clearer than, than what you're giving me. Yes. Yeah. Absol- absolutely. You're probably doing something way too complicated. And and Elia Kazan, one of our greatest actor directors, uh, directors of actors, uh, was was somebody who favored working with beginning actors because he could manipulate them so well. <laughs> well, uh, is that good or bad, though? I mean, it's it's also it would also know, hide every mistake that he's making. I think early, you know, early early Marlon Brando, Eli Wallach. Uh, Carol Baker, uh, James Dean. I mean, these these kind of actors um, were, you know, were relative putty in his hands. They were very willing, whereas more uh, experienced actors like Raymond Massey uh, were, you know, were more set in their ways, and and so. Uh, Kazan liked it that he could he could work with those people uh, working with somebody who's who's more set in their ways it is definitely difficult 
that, do you feel, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to tease out the differences here between the actors that, that everybody works with on a regular basis versus those, you know, those at the peaks. I mean, is it possible that, that people are, I mean, yeah, is it possible that they're just set in their ways? I mean, is it a form of complacency or just being creatures of habit? Or is it because that they are right? to be set in their ways. Like for example, a Kramer is probably right to be set in his ways because it works. Well, he's got something, he's got something that works for him. Yeah. You know, most actors remember they're doing things that are brand new. They're doing things that have not been, have not been done before. So our, our first job is to figure out what kind of actor we're dealing with. We certainly know that, uh, it's it's by by its very nature it's a very insecure kind of thing to be doing because we're dealing with a brand new script uh, especially in film and television we're doing dealing with something not been done before you as an actor are going in uh say for a smaller part not not for a major part and you don't know the crew you don't know the other actors uh it's very nervous making so a lot of them have a, a way of responding where they get very defensive and very aggressive. And others are looking to you for, please help me. And, yeah. and I take the, of, I'm here as your friend. And not only do I call them up when they've been cast and have nice conversation with them, which I find that almost nobody does, but I show up in the makeup trailer, uh, a good half hour before they we start shooting and and talk to them about the work they're doing that day. I mean, all of these kind of things to engender trust is very, very important because actors are coming in and they're very nervous about what they're going to do. Does they're that not change, coming in. And does that change uh, higher, again, higher up the, the food chain? Um, well, yeah. it, it depends. Let's say, let's say we're, if we're talking about uh, where a, a television show where they're playing the same character, that's probably they're coming in uh, very confident. They know their character. They understand it. The help you can give them is just to give the best performance they possibly can, you know, to tweak the performance a little bit this way and that way. When we're talking about uh, now a movie – and Meryl Streep comes in to, you know, play the lead in your movie. She's thought about this a lot. You've discussed it with her. And uh, and yet she's still nervous because, you know, she's going to try out some ideas that uh, she thinks will be good. And they might be might work nicely. But on the other hand, what if they don't, you know, and depending yeah. on how nervous she she is. She's got great confidence. Nobody has more Academy Award nominations than her, all of those kind of things. But still, you know, in any creative person, any creative person alive, there's always that feeling in the back of your head about maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe, maybe this, yeah. you know, maybe, whatever I've maybe done. Maybe there's no work I can stand and do here that's worth $20 million. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to have this job. I'm excited about it. But golly, you know, really, I, I, I don't know how I do what I do. 
you know, you hear that a lot from actors. Yeah. I just kind of do it. I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't be s as specific about it as Pear and John are. They're very specific, but <laughs> I, I just kind of do what I do. I think about what the character is, and, and then it sort of comes out. So do you, and, feel, um, uh, do you feel that it's, it's rare for an actor, even a superstar, to just show up on the set completely cocksure and ready to do this and, uh, and you know, let's, let's roll and I don't need any input and I got this. Do you feel that that's probably rare? That I, I think it, I think it probably, it definitely happens. Yeah. Um, and, um, gosh, uh, I'll, I'll think of, I'll think of the movie in a second where the, where the main lead was, was recast. Uh, just before they started shooting, they recast Kevin Spacey and they brought in Barrymore. Uh, this, this was one of Ridley Scott's, uh, pictures, uh, pictures about, um, the child of a wealthy family who was, who was kidnapped for millions of dollars worth of ransom. And the father who, the grandfather of the I'm family who had completely. all... Yeah, it had all the money, will not pay the ransom. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin Spacey was, was set to do this grandfather. And then when all the scandal broke. Um, was that the one where they just reshot certain scenes but and, and tried to weave it yeah. in? Okay, I, I know which one it is, but I'm blanking on the name. I know. I know. Everybody I, I, listening I, will know it off the top of, of their head. But he's, you know, already, already writing lots of, you dummies. You can't remember this, but the the, uh, the actor who comes in now uh, to to play that play that part, he's basically got to kind of come in and wing it, you know, nine days before uh, he gets cast at the last minute and just has to come in and sort of do it. So you you're counting on his experience, his background, his skill, and and that it will come out pretty good, which it did. He was wonderful. He was yeah. wonderful in the film. If only we could think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's pretty pathetic it's <laughs> that we can't do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that I think that the, the tricky thing here is, is, is how much to direct um, because it's it seems like there is a sweet spot of the amount of directing, but I'm trying to reconcile certain experiences that I've had, and universally the experiences that I've had with actors who are very experienced that they need much less from me, but really high quality direction. Like basically the kind of direction where I have 500 good things to say about the character, and I say the five very best ones, and that's and, right, and basically. I don't waste their time with all my finding my nugget, which actors, I mean, maybe this isn't actually, maybe this kind of directing isn't good for anyone. It's just that actors who are further down the food chain are, are happier to have the job and don't feel it's their place to tell the director to direct differently. So, so they just, uh, they just accept it, even if it's actually not good for them. Um, well, let me, let me yeah. just say one thing ab about that, Okay, which is, you know, I've, I've talked about giving a direction in 10 seconds or less. There's a couple of facets to that. The one that I didn't say is 
in 10 seconds, you can only say so much. You can only give really basically one adjustment. Yeah. And like a, like a, a, a coach in any sport, name any sport you can think of, that coach who knows what he's doing is only going to give you one adjustment on how to kick that ball or how to serve that tennis yeah. or how to how to hit the baseball, you know, one at a time because that's all you can deal with yeah. at a time. So if you say in this next take, I just want you to concentrate on persuading this person to lend you money. Uh, don't also say, oh, and at the same time, don't step forward, you know, into this light and and oh uh, by the by the way keep your hand out of your pocket uh i've had a lot of discussions with people about that that is just that's a hard rule for me one piece of direction per take max one at a time because that's if you do more you're just confusing them you and you're you're not going to get you're not going to get one thing good you're going to get three things badly you also you have to remember that the actors are trying to do all of them. If you do ten takes and you give one piece of direction per take, at the end they're trying to do all ten. <laughs> and and so it's not like it's like you think as a director that okay, I put in thing number four, that's gonna push out thing number one. But it doesn't. And ten takes later the actors are just trying to get all these uh, like these Chinese plates all keeping them all spinning and it's becoming harder and harder. Yes, it is. And, 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 and it's very possible that you give a direction that turns out really badly. And, 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 and the first thing you have to do is acknowledge your own fault and say, that didn't work. It's my mistake. I'm sorry. I sent you, I sent you off in a wrong direction. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, forget that. It, it's okay. It takes the pressure off because the actor is always thinking, oh, it's my fault. I can't give him what he wants. Uh, you, you have to assume that anyway, so that you're, you're always looking out for them. You know, Sidney Lumet says something really interesting in his book on, on making movies, which is that after a take, he will go to every single actor in the scene and give them some kind of uh, acknowledgement. It may be just a pat on the shoulder or saying, that's really good, or you're in the right direction. Or if there's a, you know, a, some kind of correction or adjustment, he'll give that. I thought, first time I read this, well, that just take forever. You just yeah. I've gotten in trouble for doing that. I've had my DP finally sit me down and tell me, "You need to stop doing that. You need to tell us what to do, and then you can talk to the actors." Well, the, uh, that's just wrong. Okay, just say yeah. you be patient, DP. You just shut up here because the actors, the actors need to hear first. Put yourself on the other side of the camera and. And you you act your heart out for a whole scene, and then you say cut, and the next thing you hear is silence, because the director and the DP are talking, and you're standing there going, "Oh my God, was I any good? Maybe I screwed it up." They're not saying anything. They're back there going mumble, mumble, mumble. So so I will jump up. I'll run into the set, and I'll just kind of go, "Okay, great. This is good. This is working nicely. Good job on that." Uh, on that line, the whole thing takes maybe a minute and a half. And, and then I go back and say to the DP, whatever we're going to say. Yeah. Uh, 
he's so just like he's just wanting to be first in line. So like a quick they acknowledgement need, immediately, right. and then you can talk shop, and then if there's spare time, you can talk some more with the actors, I guess. Yeah, you can go back, but just just give them a quick quick idea, because otherwise, I know for a fact they're standing there thinking, "I screwed up." What did they like it? You're you yeah. know on a loop. I suck. I suck. I suck. I suck. There's <laughs> they're used to applause in the theater when they do a good job on a movie set. It's quiet as anything. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. Nobody laughs at the jokes. You know that that's terrible for a comedian not to hear any laughs on their jokes and <laughs> uh, or or applause when they cry or something like that. So so you ha- you have to you have to take care of your actors. This is this is goes all the way to everything you're talking about about different kinds of actors and so on. It's all about engendering their trust and making them feel that that you're there for them and you're there uh, to protect them. For example, you know, if if you're going into the hospital, God forbid, for an operation, you're scared scared to death that something terrible is going to happen and the just before they start that operation who comes into your hotel into your hospital room but the anesthesiologist and the surgeon who calm you down and set you you know you're in good hands with us and that's what we as directors need to do we need to be like that surgeon coming in and saying i'm here to take care of you i'll be all right yeah, I think uh, people forget how naked you feel as an actor. How I mean, you're you're just you're you're just standing there completely exposed, and when you fail, everybody will see it. And uh, it's um, I mean to be to be just a little bit on that on the other side of the camera, you kind of appreciate how how exposed you feel. And um, that's why yeah. that's why I make I make all of my acting all of my directing students. I make all of my directing students do acting, acting in, in, our, in, our, in our directing classes. They all have to act in each other's scenes. And I tell them, it doesn't matter if you're any good as an actor or not. That's not the point. The point is that you have to start to feel a little of the pain, a little of the fright that people feel when they're going to come in and do a scene in front of people. You know, you need to understand that to stand in the actor's shoes. Uh, and my, all of my director colleagues that I respect feel exactly the same way. You know, be in, take an acting class where you have to get up and you yourself have to actually act in front of the class. You're not just sitting in the back observing. Yeah, that's a whole other ball game. You're very vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and you need mm-hmm. to make yourself vulnerable to appreciate and be able to to work with the actor because let me tell you they are very sensitive and they understand that that you don't know anything about acting you you're just completely brain dead you know a lot about camera or that's why actors who turn directors you know they always have great success with their with their cast as far as performances Sure. It may take them a little while to learn about about camera and things like that, but you will get wonderful performances, you know, from from directors like Paul Newman or Mike Nichols, who were who were actors to start with. Yeah. 
but I mean, you touched on this thing here about, <clears throat> excuse me, about what actually makes you gain the trust of an actor, and and one of them could be that you understand acting. Like, let me, I just want to show, throw, I want to throw some, uh, like some bullet points here at you about whether you feel that they help. And so, for example, do you feel that it helps <clears throat> g- gain the trust of an actor that that you kind of have your directing chops together and you understand, I mean, you you understand what kind of thing this is? Oh, of course, of course. And, and you know, a lot of uh, actors who know kind of what they're doing are testing you to see, you know, do you know what's going on here? Do you understand this scene? Do you understand what we're playing? Is, is, is this scene in your mind just about a medium close-up of, of me? Or is it, why is this camera placed this way? You know, do you understand how it's helping the scene? Yes, of course they're testing you. That's the second one here is showing that you understand the character and that you understand the scene. Um, it seems a little bit like it's a prerequisite, like you you need to earn your way in. Um, like you need to earn your right to be listened to <laughs> about the character. That's right. and that And that's something that starts way back to the first day that you guys get together. You know, where where you just hired the actor or you're or forget it. No, you're just auditioning the actor. You know, most stars don't audition. But when you're first having those conversations, you know, that's where you start to engender engender trust. And with 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 actors in uh, guest star roles, it starts maybe in the audition where. When, when an actor walks into audition, I don't sit behind a table and smoke my cigar and say, hi, hi, okay, let's go do the scene. I get up out of my chair, I go over, I shake their hand, tell them how glad I am they're there. Even if they're there for one line, I will do that because I know that's the beginning of where uh, I can start to trust. And, and I can tell you that actors appreciate it and will say afterwards, Oh, I felt right away that he was, you know, he was looking out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, th- yeah, I mean, that's you're you're kind of covering the a lot of the bullet points that I wanted to ask. There's also one thing that, what do you? F- how important do you feel it is that the director is is obviously in control of the whole production and his crew respects him and it's an efficient set and these guys know what they're doing and this is a professional efficient film production how much does that help in earning the trust of actors well of course it's going to help a lot if if you come in and you have a plan you know okay we're going to you know we're going to start over here and let's let's rehearse this scene. Uh, Bob, you come in from that door. Phil, you're sitting at the desk here. Go ahead, do the scene. You know, that's that's just giving some beginning leadership right there. We know what we're doing. That's as opposed to coming in, uh, what do we think we're doing here today, guys? Which way would we like to look? Uh, what's this what's the scene we're doing? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that that creates a vacuum. And as we know, uh, film sets 
like like nature abhor vacuums people will start <laughs> to jump in uh and start to help you out the star the dp uh, you know everybody you know because they're not feeling any leadership and they're right away feeling the director is lost don't you also feel that actors like so for example you have you have a, a directors who are kind of being too sensitive with actors and no i don't i don't want to get uh, messed i don't want to mess up your process and uh, you need space and you need all that stuff where uh it's my impression from every actor that i've worked with that they don't appreciate freedom half as much as as those directors think that they need that basically there's a certain kind of freedom i'm i'm going to i'm just going to assert this and then you'll tell me if you agree or not that that basically that actors kind of want to know where the playground is. So we have boundaries here, and, and that's really your job saying that's that's our left boundary, that's our right boundary, everything in the middle here, we can we can do what we want. But that basically actors appreciate the leadership and the and the kind of setting down some parameters, and then they appreciate the ability to change it a little bit. Like the the example would be blocking. Like if you walk on the set and you're 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 so deferent uh, and as a director that you just want the actors to completely just find out. Oh, you want to stand with a window, okay? Or you want to stay, okay? And and where do you feel like going then? Versus, I have a plan. I was thinking you come in the door, then you walk over here and you stand here for a little bit. That the second one that I explained here is much better. That you have an overall plan. You actually you have a plan that we could do a hundred percent, but then you're just as interested in their input, and then we change the plan, and then in the end everybody contributed. But we're starting like we're starting in a solid place. You have a plan going in. Oh, absolutely. I I have a plan every scene that we go into. I've got some kind of idea about what to do if nobody else has any ideas. Yeah. But in order to make it a more participatory experience, I may give people just the rough beginnings. Like I said, Fred, you come in this door, and Alan, you be sitting in this chair. You know, let's see where it goes from there. That gives them a little starting place. It's also kind of based on where I think the camera is going to wind up sure. at the beginning. <laughs> You know, we we're going to be looking everywhere this anyway. Way. So, yeah, we can't shoot all 360 degrees. Uh, so, uh, so by doing that, the actors start to discover the staging on their own. I mean, yeah. the scene may only may only work one way. It may work uh, a myriad of ways. But once they find it on their own, they really own that in their own mind. You didn't say, on this line, I need you to step to this point. Uh, that That's something they can do, but they don't own it. And you'd like them to feel like, I just naturally wind yeah. up at this place. So, so by working through the rehearsal this way, and believe me, it takes no more time than if you were just telling them exactly where to go. If you were just going through it and, you know, line by line, telling them exactly where to go, winds up taking the same amount of time as, as this a little more free flowing where you're giving them some basic guidance. But at the same time, uh, you're leaving room for them to, you know, start to add things in on their own. So it's more like you have a strong plan that we can always fall back to. Like if nobody has any ideas, then we do that plan. And um, and then we can't get hurt. 
Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's a, and and in some kind of scenes there'll be plenty of scenes, especially action scenes that have to be very definitely blocked out and and you you don't you, you don't have as much room uh for improvisation as you do in a uh in say just an ordinary dialogue scene. Uh but even within even with that in that in some kind of action scene you know, you want to give the actor room to uh, bring things to the scene. You know, how is he reacting to the circumstances of that of that action scene? I think uh, I think also there's there's just that it there's also just the fact that it's it's not really possible for an actor to be completely precise, like even hit marks at specific times or stuff like that. Because if the performance is impulse driven, then we'll just kind of sort of end there in the right place. And so there needs to be like some there there needs to be some buffer in there anyway. That in in the process of rehearsal, you can you can start to shape things um, and. You know something that is a little bit rough in the first couple of rehearsals. You can then start to go in and say, you know, what if you moved? What if you moved on this line instead of that line? And yeah. and 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 if if you don't do that right off the top, you do that a couple of three rehearsals in, and and then they're ready to try it because they need to kind of a get used to the scene mm-hmm. b they need to get their ideas you know tried out things that they came in last night when they were learning the lines they said oh i think i'll step on this line but uh now it turns out oh that was not the best idea i need to do it here so so you can suggest things as rehearsal goes along and again we're not talking about long rehearsals we're isn't talking about a, things that take 10 minutes or so. Isn't there a tiny danger in in that? I have found, I've experienced sometimes that this is the difficulty about who goes first. Does the director go first or does the actor go first with their ideas? And I, I've sometimes, I've sometimes experienced that when the, when the actor goes first, they kind of get married to their idea and then it's much harder I mean, then then they start building things around that idea, and then suddenly it's hard to change. And um, I I think this is this is a, it's a difficult topic because I know that if I go first or at, that I go early, then they don't build their whole house around their idea. Then okay, sure, let's build it over here instead. But if I bring in my ideas late, then it's much harder for them to take anything in. Do you? Oh, sure. Do you feel that's true? Sure. I, first, first thing I'm going to do, we're going to start rehearsing a whole scene now. Is I'll get the actors right standing together in the middle of the room, and we'll just read the scene, just like a bunch of idiots like standing there mumbling. Yeah. Yeah, just boneheaded read through. Whole cast is the whole crew is standing there, and then I'll say, okay, here's how I think this scene could work, and. It, it will start over here with you here, and and I think this is a a big par- party scene. It's a big happy. It, I give them whatever kind of ideas that I'm thinking about, and and then uh, then we'll we'll go from there. And 
And with most actors, we'll get some kind of feedback and say, oh, I like that idea or no, well, I was thinking about this. And you can you can have discussions. My idea when the actor comes in and says, I was thinking about something different is great. Let's try it. Let's try it. Sure. Because I know, I know if that actor doesn't get to at least be heard and try it, that they're going to be grumbling in their ins inside all day long going, ah, I had this great idea. And that jerky director didn't want to listen to me, which is, which is just interfering with his relaxation and his creativity because he's worried about, I didn't listen to his idea. On the other hand, if I, if I do say, well, let's try it. And he tries it a couple of times. If it's really bad, he'll, he'll acknowledge it and he'll say, oops, I'm sorry. That okay. Thank you. Well, and or, he's also probably insecure about it to begin with, anyway. Yeah, he should. But but you're very positive in letting him try it. Yeah. And then, and then maybe after a couple of times, you say, "Well, that was interesting. What if what if you tried it this other way?" After they've tried it their way, they're much more willing to give your way a chance. Yeah. So. But so it, it, it's it's our yes, of course, it's dangerous. But every time we do anything, is dangerous. But the but the flip side of that, just to completely shoot down my own argument, is that it's I actually kind of almost have the uh, the opposite philosophy now that I, I'm I'd much rather have that whatever they whatever choice we land on is something they can do with complete belief and complete confidence. And so it's better that they can get behind it than that it's my idea. Because there's yes. nothing sadder than an actor doing your idea and it's just, uh, you know, squeaking along. But right. it's, it's definitely not good because they're not feeling it. I mean, when they can feel it, it's, it, it's great even if it isn't the right idea. Yes. It, it, it's not exactly what you had in mind, but it works in a different way. Yeah. And this speaks to our ability that that's a pretty much a learned ability to be very open to things and trying to stay pretty objective about even your own ideas. That's really hard to do. And to say, oops, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong about that. Or no, we're going to get this. Yes, of course. And that's one of the, the exciting parts about directing is that you can be dead wrong and fall flat on your face. You know, you never get great at it all the time everybody makes mistakes i also don't think you have i i think at least this is my opinion that a lot of directors just think that in order to look like you're in charge you have to be certain about everything and you really don't that's not your job as a director your job is to have the feeling in your stomach that you know where true north is so you're the guy we can ask is this right or not but besides that you can have a vague idea but have no idea how to get there it's like i'm trying to get the character to be peppier somehow what can we try let's try this now nah, that, that seemed to pull in that direction let's try this other thing and it's it's completely okay to be experimental anyway i'm preaching of course <laughs> Well, of course, of course it is. And, and that's really hard for a beginning director to do because you feel like you've got to be Mr. Know-it-all. But, but uh, there are many times that I've stood on the set and go, you know what, guys, I don't have a clue what's the best way to shoot this. What do you think? Uh -huh. T 
tell me, you know, I'm I, I'm really at odds here. I mean, I've gone to the star of the show, uh, say on Supernatural, and say to Jensen Ackles, Jensen, put on your director's hat for a minute, and you know, how would you do this scene? What What do you think here? Because uh, I'm I'm a little at sea. I'm not quite sure about this. <laughs> Good. And cool. And he's perfectly willing to help. Happy to happy to help. Uh, and and there's no disrespect involved, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's uh, saying, well, "Okay, we need help." Or the, I turn to the to the camera operators and say, "What's a good angle here?" Yeah, You're, I'm showing you the scene. Where where do you think the camera should go? Uh, I have an idea, but I want to know what you guys think. I do that all the time. In fact, it's a standing order on my sets that the camera operators have to come up to me with an idea on how they would shoot the scene awesome. after they've yeah. watched the rehearsal. And and you get, oh, my God, so many good ideas that nothing, way because they're nothing participating. Nothing investment. It's like that's your job as a director is to get everybody invested in this. and. And I feel sometimes that I go along with ideas that I don't. And this is in anything, whether it's directing or whether it's product development or anything like anything creative that if I overrule every idea, then people just start checking out mentally. And and I sometimes go along with things that uh, I'm probably right that this is not a good idea, but I just feel like. Every time, every time, I, every time I shoot down an idea, people participate a little bit less, and then you don't have access to their creative resources. Suddenly, then people are just dragging themselves through it. I want people to wake up at three in the morning with a fucking amazing idea and need to call someone with it. That's the that's how you would want your whole team to work, right? Of course, of course you would, and uh, and you're absolutely right. If 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 you get shot down. Your natural reaction is going to be fine. I'll let him just tell me what he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll let the director just say what it is. I'll do that, but I'm not going to stick my neck out and take a shower in front of the whole crew with with an idea that yeah. that he goes nah. Yeah. Uh, and and so I I will respond to ideas. Somebody comes up to me with an absolutely terrible idea. And my my response used to be when I was beginning. Now, no, no, we can't do that. Uh, I I would say th- I now I say things like, you know, I never thought of it like that. What an interesting way to look at this. Notice yeah. I'm not criticizing the idea. I'm saying, oh, okay. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. And uh, then if you've acknowledged it and entertained it briefly. Uh, you can then in a few seconds say, you know, I, I don't know if it works right for, for this, but please keep coming back to me with ideas. I think that's really interesting what you're saying. Yeah, it's a cool idea uh, on its own, but uh, we need – it yeah. probably doesn't fit together with all the other stuff. And and that, you know, that works with actors, with cameramen, you know, just, just saying what, what an int- – I never thought of it that way. That's not saying it's terrible, but it is saying <laughs> it is saying. I, I want to loop. A, I, I want to loop a little bit back because we touched on something a moment ago. Where, um, like, so I've I've kind of been pushing for 
you know, when with actors at the top who don't want to take direction and you're trying to kind of thrust your direction on them. But there are also the other, there are the opposite types um, of stars that that the directors are afraid of directing. And I, I one example that I had was, was Kathy Bates because both I saw an interview with her <clears throat> Where she talked about she was she was on a on a movie and the director was so starstruck oh my god it's Kathy Bates and he was um, and she wasn't getting the direction that she needed and and she like had no idea it's like I'm just I'm out to see I have no idea and so finally she just went over to the director and said you you need to tell me it sucks right I mean it sucks I know it I can feel it it sucks you tell me you tell me what I'm doing wrong and. I also saw her in in a trailer for uh, some sitcom where I felt that she was a complete deer in the headlights. Like she was standing there and she didn't know whether to go to the left or the, or the right. She had no confidence about, I mean, about the choices that she was making. And she was really without a director. And I was thinking, oh, oh you poor thing. There's a director off camera who's, who's too starstruck, who's too intimidated and doesn't feel that he has a right to direct you. I mean, that's kind of the opposite end of, th that's oh. the opposite of directing too much is, is directing too little. I mean, I guess the, the thing that I'm getting is that, is that how do you develop the, the, the feeling of how much to direct? Because like if you're working with a Kathy Bates, she will probably want you to really get in the ring with her and really help figure out this character and, and try a million things. Um, you know what? You know what? I, uh, I, I had a nice conversation with Jodie Foster okay. for my second book. And, 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 and Jodie understands it from the point of view of a director and an actor. Uh, you know, she understands it very well. And one of the things she said that struck me, she she will approach an actor before they've worked together and say, how do you like to work? Do you like to do you like to talk about the character or not talk about? It? Do you like to go first when we're shooting over shoulders? Do you like to go first? Here's a good one. Do you like notes? <laughs> do you like notes? Do, you know, do notes are notes helpful to you, or would you rather I just shut up and let you get out of the way? And and I'm thinking this is Jodie Foster telling me this. So the first opportunity I had to talk to an actor that way, the actor got this look in his eye as <laughs> as we had this conversation, and he said, "I've been acting for 20 years. Nobody has ever asked me these questions." Yeah. This is great, and uh, and and he was so you know grateful to it. I said, "Well, I, that of course she knows what she's talking about. That that's that conversation that you're having at the beginning about you know if you'd had that conversation with Kathy Bates, she'd say, "Oh, honey, I I like to be directed. Please tell me, you know, and you don't have to be in awe of 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 her." Yeah, you just can, take the gloves off. <clears throat> just, just open up and and say, "Gosh, tell me." You know, I, I'm and I'm sorry. I get a little intimidated because I love your work so much, but I want to be able to help you and not be, not be frightened of you. Uh, so, 
because trust me, actors sense that too. They under they they sense when you're uh, when you're frightened of them, and 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 consequently they probably check out and realize this director is going to be no use to me. I have uh, two thought experiments here, which are like two situations um, that we could just think about what would be a good way to respond. Now, I think actually what you said before, that that is the coolest piece of advice is just asking, how do you want to work? Do you need a lot? Do you need a little? Do you want to analyze? Do you just do you just want to? You just want to concentrate on the character's goals, like because all every actor has different buttons. And even though I mean, I, I made some notes for this here, but I'm actually I'm gonna do a separate episode where we talk about the ways in which actors are different. But one I think once you realize that that actors really do this in different ways, that are there are people who need to live as the character in a shack in the mountains for two months, and there are people who just walk out in on the set and then flick a switch and then they're just somebody else and 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 everything in between that you can't just have one way you need to just be a doctor who knows how to give all kinds of medicine but you need to pick the right medicine for the right actor it's like you you don't just go around and give all the medicine to everybody do you, do you agree with that well yes and 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 one of the things that's so great about Jody Foster's approach is we, uh, without that we are we're approaching things like like we're trying to uh, uh, psychoanalyze the the actor without really knowing not getting any feedback we're just trying to divine in some wonderful way what this actor how how is this actor different from others and we're trying to figure it out it's wonderful to get a much more direct feedback and and ask how do you like to work yeah. because you're going to find out so much in 5 minutes of conversation that you might have spent days trying to figure out otherwise or making guesses about how this how this actor is or is not yeah. i could have saved myself years of time by using this approach if I had thought of it earlier, well, people should uh, people should buy your book to find out what happens when you don't, because <laughs> I mean that's what's cool about your book. Just to plug your book, uh, just uh, just a little more here, because you really you are making a mistake and you just keep plowing in that direction for a long, long time until the relationship goes sour. It's a it's a treat. So let's uh, so the, one of the situations that I have here is that. Um, I am, uh, let's pretend that I am directing Joe Pesci. And let's say that I got him for three days. There's no rehearsal. Um, he's getting like a million dollars to show up for three days and be on the movie poster because this is a very typical thing that happens. Um, and and basically the, the scene that I came up with is that he just basically has to bullshit his way past the secretary. That's that's the scene. Is uh, he he just needs to get in some other room. So he needs to he's so he needs to bullshit her. And the problem that I have is that the scene is falling flat. He's doing his Joe Pesci thing, and that part is great. But the mechanics of the scene are like, eh, there's no. It's just the scene hasn't been figured out, and 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 seems a little bit contrived and. I'm already getting the sense here is that I can't <clears throat> I can't just talk 
Like I need to say one thing that puts us on a path to success here. And my, I guess my feeling is that he should be more dodgy. Like he, it's like a little bit like he's just standing there and waiting for her to finish her line and to say his line. And I'm trying to get him to be more dodgy or get him to be more nervous or something. So I give him the direction that, uh, that the cops are looking for him. And it's actually every time he hears a siren, it's like a little bit of a jolt. And that might be good direction. Who knows? I mean, the only way to know if something is good direction is for somebody to play it. But the point is that this is not where he's going, and he's kind of getting irritated with all my direction. And I'm not a well-known director, so it's not like it's, – it's not Steven Spielberg giving this direction to him, which might make him listen more. So I, it's, this is like a choose-your-own-adventure here. I have a couple of choices. One is – I can just keep directing until I lose him eventually. Um, I can also just pretend that it's great and somehow make it work in the edit because I can't – I don't feel I can always judge whether it's actually working right now anyway. Or I can try to make it work through one of the other actors. Like I can try to make the secretary ignore him, for example. Maybe that gives him something to play against. Maybe that would pep up the scene without him having to do anything. But what do you feel a, a, a young director should do in this situation? Well, uh, there's lots of potential ideas here. Usually, what can we do differently? You know, what, what's going to help? Uh, and one of the first things that I'm going to start looking at in that situation with the secretary is I'm going to start giving the secretary business to do in terms of her reception position that she's in and things that she's got to continue doing in spite of the fact that she's got a guy there trying to, you know, bullshit his way into, into the boss's office. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, let's say she's got a computer display there. I, I very often will give her a letter that has to be typed. Uh, and and she's got to finish that letter. And then in the middle, maybe she's got to answer a phone call. But I'm going to keep throwing obstacles in there in in the way of, of Joe Pesci's character, of what he needs, so that that uh, can give him something to, to bounce against. If she's too... If she's too passive or just kind of standing there going, no, no, I can't let you in, that's that's just gets boring really fast, really. And, you know, inside of one line, you're bored already. But but if he's got to fight against something, then that uh, is going to help him a lot. And it's not going to r require too much of our secretary, who is a day player and and she's probably just a beginning actress, and and so uh, she's not going to be that good at going toe to toe with Joe Pesci. So if we give her business, that grounds her, and and gives her a lot to do. But I've are, actually are you, said, are you doing this? So basically, you're trying to make the scene work, the scene as a whole, make that work without having to modify Joe Pesci too, too much? Are you doing this specifically to, I, I say annoy Joe Pesci, but annoy him in a good way? Well, what we're doing is we're giving him something to react to. Yeah. We're giving him something something to play against 
and and it's going to inspire his creativity to yeah. you know to get around uh how is he going to how's he going to get to this to this woman to announce that he's there or that he's going inside uh and you know how are we going to make this this work we're 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 giving him fun things to play yeah. and that's what he needs he needs he needs stuff that's kind of fun to play and i i don't mean funny i mean fun, just exciting it it, it, yeah. it inspire yeah. it inspires him to do something and if we're lucky maybe it'll inspire our our young receptionist too yeah uh, and so I'm always looking in scenes for where can we up the conflict. That's what keeps scenes interesting. If it's too boring of a scene, it's going to get cut. Out. So is is that is that the solution for like if you have a if you have an actor who is resisting being directed and you feel like it's somehow it's legitimate, like he's Joe Pesci. Who are you to tell him to play something else? I mean, you paid a ton of money to get that, and now you want to change it. Um, I mean, do you feel that that's a good overall? I guess you do. I guess we're we're actually in total agreement here that that it does that it that the 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 that dynamics in the scene can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to come from any particular actor. It it just needs to be friction. There there is uh, there is in some schools of acting what's called the pinch ouch theory. Okay. I never I heard pinch that name. You, uh, I pinch you, you go ouch. I pinch oh, you, okay, you go out. Yes. Pinch, pinch, ouch, pinch, ouch. Action, reaction, action, reaction. So um so you're you're looking for that to be happening so you get a, a scene that has interest in it, back and forth in conflict, you know, that's built in. And if it's not built in, how do you create it? Uh, because that's that's one of your jobs as a director is going to find ways to bring uh, scenes that might seem like they're just expositional. A guy coming up and needing to get past a secretary could be just expositional. Yeah. But no, we we want to make it interesting. We want to make it fun. Yeah. We want to make it tough for this guy to get in, and and depending on who the receptionist is, I mean, what if she's a 250 pound woman you know who's mean as a snake yeah uh you know that would be that would be one kind of approach to the scene and and if we and if we have some young girl who's kind of innocent then he's going to look like a bully and an asshole and is that what we want uh so we need to yeah. do something for her I'm just I'm so, coming up with angles uh, here. Another angle could be that she is just completely staring him down and completely onto him, and that would also yes. that would also be something that he would have to play against. And I guess maybe that's a. I mean, the I, obviously I don't know Joe Pesci, but this is my impression that he needs this to be a contact sport, and so you need to give him, you need to give him uh, something. You need to give him a good fight, right? I right. mean. Not just somebody who's standing there uh, breathing, uh, like like a game character who only exists for your benefit, but like somebody who fights back. <clears throat> you're you're getting you're get, getting an actor who comes from a natural organic base. Yeah. He needs that. He's not a puppet, and 
and he's going to bring you his natural reaction to things. That that street character that we first met uh, in early Scorsese movies in Mean Streets, or or the character that he just played in the movie with De Niro, um, where they were all aging during the course of the course of the movie or de aging. You know, yeah, yeah. The, 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 those are the most natural performances, and that's the way they approach their their acting. They're not coming at it like an English actor who maybe takes a different approach to the way the scenes are. So we're tr- we're trying to bring these scenes into uh, a natural, organic kind of kind of way of happening, and that's how that's how we're going to get interesting reactions from him. If he's just standing there, of course the scene's not going to work. Do you feel that, like, because I, 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 I don't remember the thing, the uh, somebody was going to work with Joe Pesci, just to continue on him for a little bit, and and he got exactly the kind of pushback that I'm that I'm talking about here. Do you feel that some of the some of the pushback from, yeah, some of the pushback from a guy like this is just that. I don't know that I can trust you to to handle my uh, you know to hand to handle my I, I don't want to use the it, I don't want to use the wrong word but like you don't know how to how to operate my machines here and I don't want you in the machine room. Do you feel that there is some of that and and sure and so by basically by demonstrating to him that I can make this scene work. I can make this scene work, even if you don't want it to work. I can make it work, and by just by, by fixing the stuff around you, that that I can make this I can make this thing here grind. That that he would open up to you, and so if you have him for for three days and you keep doing this for three days, by the end he will actually be interested in hearing what you have to say. Well, yeah, I mean, if we've, we've done our homework on Joe Pesci, we know that he comes from, you know, from from New York and he's coming from the streets and where you're you're constantly in conflict with other people you meet on the streets with your buddies or your neighbors or the, the gang around the corner. So you come at life in a different way. You come at life in a very uh, aggressive, aggressive way. It's a contact uh, board. Joe Right. Yeah, Joe. You know his 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 buddy Harvey Keitel is the same way, and I've worked with Harvey. You know, he comes at you very aggressively right right from the opening. And what's the right response to that? I mean, because I think that if you're a young director or like or new, you know, you're you're moving up the ranks here, and now you're working with Harvey Keitel, the instinct that everybody has is to like uh, back I off. I think we're and having a, we're having another moment. Okay, let's uh, hear that we're going to reconnect. The the question was because the the natural reaction would be, oh my god, I I I can't piss off Harvey Harvey Keitel, um, and uh, okay, and what can I do, and how can I be nice, and uh, and stuff like that. That's not really what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to up your game to his level, right? And um, and let's uh, let's wrestle out this character. Yeah. So so. He's he's demanding he's demanding a lot of respect right off the bat. He's not necessarily kowtowing to you. He's coming in. I bet he does this with Scorsese too. You know that 
these are not nice, polite. Oh, it's 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 Marty. I'll just do what Marty says. I I bet they have these wrestling matches. In fact, they're almost famous uh, on on Scorsese sets where where they'll come in in the morning and 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 they don't get a lineup on the scene till. 10 30 or 11 o'clock because scorsese and the actors have been sitting in the trailer talking to death some scene that looks on paper to be the easiest thing in the world that they should have had done by 9 30 in the morning oh goodness and and it takes them all day because the you know the, those guys are going at it yeah. and don't, don't do this at home kids the way, <laughs> that's the way you know that kind of operates and 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 it's it's very frustrating if you're if you're looking to make schedules and things like that because uh, they do not give a crap about your schedule, you know. And no amount of threats or talking to them is going to get them past, you know, being able to talk something out. So you better you better just lay back and enjoy it, and and listen listen to them and let them talk it out and you know give give them the respect of knowing. Here's a here's an actor who a read this role, accepted it, uh, and you know we've had conversations about the character. So let them try what they're going to try. Uh, let's see what they do because until we get past that, we're we're not going to get anywhere. But I've I've heard this story a thousand times of actors testing their director, and I mean I guess when you're higher up the when you're higher up the food chain, you also like your your market value is higher and you are allowed you're allowed to be stronger and like you you had the tomato thing and you have this with uh, with Harvey uh, Harvey Keitel um how do you I mean I guess aren't they testing the, aren't they ultimately testing that you will stand up for your own vision that basically I mean Aren't they also trying to find out that you're not a pushover by trying to push you over? Sure. Yeah, they want they want to find out if they're up against a 90-pound weakling or against Charles Atlas. Uh, yeah. That's probably such a dated reference that nobody knows what I'm talking about. But <laughs> uh, you can be the 97-pound weakling and go, oh, yes, Harvey, whatever you say. Or you yeah. can get in there and and – And just have a you know a lively conversation. Don't you feel that that this is a little bit actually a way for the actor to feel safe? Because I mean, I, I'm 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 trying to tie this back to the to how how naked and vulnerable you feel as an actor because you're just standing there in the middle of it and you really have no idea what movie you're shooting while you're acting in it, and you need to know that this director has got it. And I think that the worst feeling to, is to stand there as an actor and feel that the director doesn't know where this is going or, and, and, and is a pushover and won't stand up for his own ideas. And by you f fighting the right battles, and then we can, you know, we can debate what are the right battles that you should win as a director. But like the tomato thing, that was like stupid. And I mean, it was almost like Richard Donner waited too long and said to say, okay, that tomato idea. I mean, I love you that you're being creative, but that's just too stupid. <laughs> And and that and that he's I mean that that gave Marlon Brando peace 
in um, in knowing that okay, I'm in I'm in good hands. This plane will not fall out of the sky while I'm on it, because the director well, I think, is in charge. I think I think that's uh, you know that's what happened in that particular situation because when 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 Brando you know talked about telling his child uh, fairy stories where he was changing things around and Donner. Finally, that was the the opening that Donner was looking for, saying that's why Jarrell can't be a giant tomato. Yeah, Brando's response was, oh, thank which God. I didn't I didn't tell you before. His response was, "Oh, I guess I talked myself out of it, didn't I? I talk too much sometimes." Okay, you know, but so, now the relationship so he, works. I mean, now it's now everybody now, knows where absolutely. everybody is. Everybody's everybody's, and you know that was a good little fun battle. And and it, the best thing was Brando was going. Oh, okay. I made a mistake. I I talked myself out was of. Was he actually serious? You know? I mean, I mean, do you feel that he was serious about the tomato thing, or was it purely a test? Hard, hard to know. <laughs> hard okay. to know. Yeah. You know, because he's always you know notoriously been so playful in how he approaches characters and uh, you know ways that he wanted to try things so that uh you know in on the waterfront with uh, a famous scene with Eva Marie Saint where they're sitting on some swings in a kids playground and Eva Marie Saint is wearing at the time white gloves because that's how ladies went out she mm -hmm. drops a glove on the ground of the playground and Brando could have ignored it but no for the rest of the scene he picked up her glove And now started putting it on his hand, and he had big, huge hands because he was a boxer, and he's putting a delicate woman's glove. Well, that's all you could see, but it was a very creative kind of thing to do. Sure. And you, those are golden moments that you hope you get out of inspiration, which comes from actors feeling relaxed and playful. There's a reason why actors are called players. And in invested also that that they are allowed to be creative. I mean, that's what I find because I I'm I'm a very good over director. Like I can over direct the shit out of anything, but but I feel that when and when an actor suddenly takes charge and you feel like they have worked out this character and now they know what they want to do. It is a much more wonderful feeling because it's like, wow, this character just fixed itself, and I was actually kind of in the way. Um, a lot, of, a lot of times, you just have to say, "I'm getting out of that actor's way. I am stepping back. I'm not going to." With with John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever, I could see that he had this character so nailed that I just need to step back and not mess with it. But that's still, I mean, that's a, it's a balance to find because it's almost like that. That's what I in the in the in the videos call a transfer of ownership. Because in the beginning, it's probably your character, but there is a special moment where the where the actor owns the character more than you do, and at that point, you know, they they need to lead the rest of the way on on this character. And that's how we think of characters afterwards in movies that we love. We think about this star or that star as the character we don't necessarily think of it as the director brought that character no we we kind of attribute everything to the actor and we don't know where the ideas came from 
but but they're up there in our face and they they get all the credit and that's fine so let's let's try to summarize what we talked a little bit about here because um do you feel that actors higher up like just to summarize your position on this do you feel that they are more resistant to being directed higher up or no. do you no. no i feel i feel the amount of direction might go down. might be might go down but I've never met an actor that didn't want some kind of feedback. Nobody wants to look like an idiot. Yeah. And if somebody is looking looking foolish or things are not working, they want to know it. And and it's just a matter of learning how to express that to them in ways that they want to hear it and not and not trying to over-direct them because as you say, these are professionals and experienced actors who who kind of know what they're doing. But may only need a little bit of nudging, or like Richard Dreyfus says to me, you know, I want to be direct. I'll try anything. You know, tell me, tell me what you know, what to try, and and let's see what happens. So he's not precious about it at all. So it seems like at the at the top, it's all the same dynamics as it is everywhere else at 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 other places on the totem pole. It's just maybe a little sharper. It's a little more focused that your your direction has to be more to the point and the communication has to be more candid and and um, and also they can they have expectations that that actors further down the totem pole maybe don't have that they have less patience with this being done the wrong way for them. Oh yeah. They're watching uh when I when I did the the shield the actors there said they were always getting directors who are pretty new and and the first thing they did in the morning when the new director came on was they would watch to see who did the director go to talk to first. Did he go to the actors or did he go to the cameraman and start talking about camera angles before he'd even staged the actors? And then they would know, based on that, Whether oh, here's some jerk. <laughs> yeah. some jerk that all he cares about is the camera angles, yeah. you know, or he cares about us. A glorified and traffic cop. That's, that's right. So uh, that's how that's how they would treat them. So knowing knowing that uh, with with actors, it's it's a lot of times about them, not necessarily a cameraman. It's not necessarily about him. You know, it's about the pictures he's taking, but but with the actors, it's about them. So you have to kind of know where your priorities are, and 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 work work things out accordingly, so that they can start to trust you and not feel that you're just a guy who's what the worst phrase you can give to a director. He's a good shooter. Oh no! Oh my God! <laughs> oh no! We're on our own. Yeah. He shoots camera angles, you know. He's going to shoot up my nose. The camera's going to be on the floor, uh, yeah. something like that. And and who cares what I'm doing? Yeah. But this is so cool. So uh, yeah, this is. Um, I've 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 kind of been a little bit seduced by the stories of difficult actors, but I guess that they are like. Um, 
that they're like bad reviews on the internet, that somebody only goes to the internet to complain because it went wrong. So you, those stories about actors being difficult, they travel a lot further than the thousands of actors who are just normal actors who are successful and very professional but have the same needs as any other actor. So um, I think that should be encouraging. So the, the lesson here really is, uh, I guess, you still need your acting chops. Like you need to be good at the, at the technique of directing because you need to bring your A game much more with experienced actors because they don't, they don't really have the time for you to fumble out your direction. Like you need to get to it, right? And then otherwise just relate to people, be honest about uh, you know be honest about your confidence levels about that's your, right your ideas build a, build a bond with any actor any yeah. actor build a bond with them as soon as you can work with them pay attention to them don't don't imagine never imagine that you're dealing with somebody you can just turn a switch on where rod steiger said to me he's used to directors saying the magic please yeah, you know that's how. Good luck it was with just that. <laughs> spending spending hours with the DP, lighting a scene, you know, fiddling with the wardrobe, doing all of this, but then turning to the actor and saying, "Let's go, the magic, please." And and you as an actor are supposed to suddenly come up with it. One two three act. <laughs> one two three act. What? Yeah. Never let the actor get a sense that that's the way you're thinking about it. You know because. Uh, they they resent it. They get angry, and nobody wants Rod St wanted Rod Steiger angry at him because he was he was an angry guy, and God bless him, a great actor too. Uh, but that's from years of being abused by by directors who you know ignored him. Yeah. This is excellent. I uh, I think this was a great. Uh great attitude adjusting conversation and i hope that everybody who has been listening along um is uh, is is going to get some some really uh, really teachable points out of this so i want to thank you john oh, good. and um All right and can i throw in one yeah. thing go ahead i need to throw in one thing absolutely which is the first first of september this september the second edition of my book is coming out and it's called John Batham on Directing. Fantastic. So and this is a, like an update of the I'll Be In My Trailer. Well, it's actually a whole different book. Oh. It's a completely different book. And so much of it is about how to build actors' trust and and a survival guide for, act for directors who are going into working in episodic and streaming television Fantastic. and streaming media. And... This is brand new. I, I will send you a copy yes. of it uh, when we get off the air. I'll send you a PDF, and when we get a when we get the published copy in a couple of weeks, I'll send you that. Fantastic. So I so just I'm speaking to the listeners. I can totally vouch for this. Like there there are a lot of filmmaking books, but there are there are there are few that have the muscle of uh, of John's books here because he speaks from vast experience and and gets to the point and is excruciatingly honest and that's what's necessary because uh, we need to live in uh, we need to live in reality 
Yeah, I, I was very fortunate to have so many directors that I respect contribute to the book. You know, Steven Soderbergh and and others that are, you know, that are really act directors I respect so much. Francis Ford Coppola, Sidney Pollack, uh, people people like that. That's where the opinions are coming from. It's not. It's just such a great learning experience for me to have conversations with those guys about how they approach rehearsal, how they approach working with their actors, how they build trust with their actors. So, so that's uh, one thing I can't take, you know, a lot of credit for the book. I'm, I'm so grateful to all of these wonderful contributors. It's that's uh, that's dynamite. I cannot wait to, I can't wait to read that. That's, um, and I, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart to everybody. This, John's books are in a different league here. It's a, this, a, you are gonna, you're gonna get some really honest conversation about how to do this. So I, I really vouch for this from the bottom of my heart. So why don't we wrap here? And then uh, one time in the future, this COVID thing will be over and we can all have lunch. <laughs> so, oh, great. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you well, so very cool. much, John, for, for coming on here. And, uh, and I hope I'll, I'll see you very soon. Oh, thank you, Pear. And stay safe wherever you are. Thank you. So I hope you thought that was interesting. And we're actually not done. There are going to be more episodes where we try to pin down the ways in which actors are different. Now, when I developed the Directing Actors course, which, by the way, you can look at through the link in the description, I made a list of the ways that actors are different. But in the end, it was a little bit of a detour, the place that I put it in the course, and I didn't want to have to rush through it. So I cut it completely, which always made me sad because I think it is really helpful to understand the ways in which actors are different because it makes it clear why actors need different things and why you can't just have one technique for everybody, just one size fits all. So that's going to be a future episode where we run down the exact ways that actors are different. For now, please like and subscribe and tell your friends about the show, and I'll see you soon. Yeah.